We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Friday, April 29th, but you know what? We are not here for a mailbag. Today, we're going to do two shows. I just want to give everybody a heads up on this. We're going to do two shows today. This show, we are going to talk about the NFL draft. It was a wild, wild night last night. Ryan stayed up way past his bedtime, cranking out content, watching the draft. So we're going to talk about that. Obviously, we're focusing on Kyle Hamilton and the Baltimore Ravens. If you have a Super Chat question you want to throw up, feel free to throw up a Super Chat. Otherwise, hold off on your questions until the mailbag at 1230 because we are going to stop this. We're going to go for about an hour, and then we're going to jump on the mailbag at 1230. So we're going to give you all tons of content today. Ryan's going to be so sick of talking today that I don't know what he's going to do. It's it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. But it means we're going to give you all a lot of great content. But this show, Ryan, is about the draft, and we're going to talk about Kyle Hamilton being selected by the Baltimore Ravens with the number 14 overall pick. Little back, little background on this pick. Obviously, the Ravens are not uh, strangers to drafting Notre Dame players. Obviously, they drafted Miles Boykin in the third round of the 2019 draft. They drafted Ronnie Stanley sixth overall in the uh, 19 or the excuse me, the 2016 draft. They drafted Dalen Hayes in the fifth round last year. They've also drafted Capron Lewis Moore and a few other Notre Dame guys, a couple other Notre Dame guys. So, no strangers to Notre Dame players, obviously. And now they get Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton is the first Notre Dame player to go in the first round of the draft since Jerry Tillery went to the Chargers in 2019. This is the highest a Notre Dame defensive player has been drafted since 1994 when Bryant Young went seventh overall. And it's the highest that a Notre Dame defensive back has gone since Todd Light went fifth overall in 1991. So even though Kyle Hamilton didn't go as high as maybe we thought months ago or a month ago, really any time up until the NFL scouting combine, he still went pretty high. And obviously this is the second safety for Notre Dame to go in the first round of the draft in the last, I believe it's 11 drafts since Harrison Smith obviously was uh, taken late first round in in, uh, 2012. Obviously he's turned out to be a pretty good player. 
and we'll see if Kyle Hamilton will be the next one. So, Ryan, let's just first talk about that selection. You wrote an article this morning at Irish Breakdown really breaking down the fit uh, for Kyle Hamilton. Let's just kind of talk about that. So why was Kyle Hamilton a guy that the Baltimore Ravens targeted in this draft? I mean, the Baltimore Ravens historically, even going back to when Ozzie Newsom was the GM before Eric DaCosta took over, are a team that lets players fall into their lap and lets good players fall. I mean, Brian, we talk about usually, right, good, bad teams usually make bad picks. Like That's usually the, mm-hmm. the trend there. The Baltimore Ravens don't overthink things. They let they let Ray Lewis fall into their lap and at pick twenty something, right? They pick Lamar Jackson at pick thirty two when these guys fall right in front of them. Like they don't stare at them in the face and then look away. They're like, "Yes, we will take you" because it makes complete sense. So this was purely a best player available pick. I don't think there's any way you can like not say that it isn't because. The Baltimore Ravens just signed Marcus Williams this offseason for the New Orleans Saints to a five-year, $70 million deal, one of the better free safeties in the NFL. They also already had Chuck Clark, who's a good, strong safety. Like He's been a a contributor for multiple years now for the Ravens. So safety wasn't necessarily a need for the Baltimore Ravens. But the fact of the matter is, Kyle Hamilton was staring him in the face of 14, and they're like, you're too good of a player not to to pass up on. We just cannot do that right now. I kind of view Hamilton as it's it's interesting how well first of all the other than Pete Prisco who I mean it's Pete Prisco who who cares other than him just about everybody just gave the Ravens tremendous grades for this we have an article up at irishbreakdown.com where I went through and kind of took a look at a lot of the grades that were handed out on this one Ryan and I mean it's like Sports Illustrated A plus Sporting News, A+, Pro Football Focus gave them an elite grade. They only handed out two. They like elite, very good, that kind of thing, whatever. Um, They gave them an elite grade, one of only two. Bleacher Report, A+, Yahoo Sports, my guy Eric Edelm, A, The Athletic, A. I mean, you don't often get that kind of consensus from people on, on the pick, and I think a lot of it has to do with what you just said. It's you got a guy that people viewed as one of the best players in this draft at 14. You didn't have to trade up. I mean, you look at the Eagles trading up to take a nose guard that may be on the field 35% of their snaps, right? I mean, that's what teams are doing, but that's, you know, that's why the Ravens are always consistently good, a good organization. Cause they're just like, look, we're going to, we're going to play the draft smart and, and take the best player available. And I think what they've done, Ryan, is they've given themselves a really excellent modern defensive player. And I don't say modern safety, modern line, but modern defensive player in that, you know, you just mentioned they already have two really good safeties. Well, we both know, in even in the NFL, guys don't play every snap in the NFL, right? There's a rotation in the NFL. Number two, you're going to a division that has the Cincinnati Bengals and that loaded group of receivers who have some size to them. You're going to an organization where the the Cleveland Browns just got Deshaun Watson. Uh, who's the? I always forget the receiver that they just got. Amari, the, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, right? And and you know they're a team that wants that's going to throw the football. You look at the, the the Pittsburgh Steelers and you know with Chase Claypool and you know they just drafted a quarterback in the first round. You've got to have sort of that that player that can be that sub package star, and that's what I see from from Kyle Hamilton is a guy that's going to be that sub package star. Could he play free safety? Sure. Could he play, you know, the other safety? Sure. Could he be a guy that you use as part of a three safety package because he can play on the second level a bunch? And you wrote about this in your article, kind of like how Jeremy Chin is used for the Panthers. I absolutely think that he can. I think you could use him almost the same way that the Browns used Jeremiah Wusukoromoa last year if you really look at it. So 
I think that's the unique thing about Kyle Hamilton. I think it's it, part of it hurt him because there are a lot of NFL teams that still don't know how to use players like him. Same, you know, same thing with Jeremiah Usakoromoa. Same thing with Mar- Micah Parsons. You know, who you mentioned before the show. But I think a smart defense, a smart organization, and I think we both agree that the Ravens are, is going to look at this kid and instead of saying, gee, I don't know where we can play him. It's like, think of all the places we can play him. And that's why the Ravens ended up getting, in my opinion, one of the five most talented players in the draft at 14. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Right. I, I think for me, it's it's very simple. We've seen players, and you just mentioned a couple of them, Jeremiah Wiscoromoa and Micah Parsons to a degree. Micah obviously had a little bit of off-field concerns as well, so that's kind of why he dipped as well. But there's a lack of creativity around the NFL in a lot of instances, man. Like Some people looked at, at Jeremiah Wiscoromoa and said, you're a 215-pound weak side linebacker. I can't use you. I can't use you. I don't have a spot for you on my defense. And it's a very archaic way of looking at things, right? Like this game is now where I th- I'm pretty sure it, a couple years ago at least the Seattle Seahawks were the only team that played base defense over 50 percent of the side so- 50 percent of the time. This is a sub package league, man. Like it is. And what does Kyle Hamilton do better than just about anything that he does on the field? Freelance and the ability right. to roam and be a playmaker, right? Like that's what he does best. Can you imagine this young man maybe in a three safety set? 
where he's the mid-hole defender and he's just playing in the middle of the field and you just let him use his eyes and go and make plays. Right. And then on third downs, when you only have two backers in, maybe he's one he's a dime backer that's in the game and maybe even sometimes he's in the slot, you blitz him off the slot. There's an endless possibility to a guy like a Kyle Hamilton. My biggest question is just, and I don't think that's necessarily the case with the Baltimore Ravens, is I have seen instances where some teams just aren't creative enough. And that's right. my worry because if they aren't creative and they're just like, you're a safety, then you have to worry about trying to make a rotation happen, right? And that's my only worry. But I also think that the Ravens have so- shown historically that they are they can play into player strengths, right? Like they have the Belichick effect to a degree. Like they'll use what a player does best and get the most out of them. So I'm not as worried about that. And very interesting, the uh, new defensive coordinator for, for the uh, for the Baltimore Ravens is the former Michigan defensive coordinator. So a Michigan guy got grabbed the Notre Dame guy in the first yeah. round. So just a well, funny little tidbit there. We'll give him a pass. He was only there for a year. So he wasn't fully indoctrinated into the madness. But uh, it, it, and a guy that has got some familiarity with the Ravens, obviously he went to Michigan from the Ravens. Obviously that was that connection between the brothers. So I, I really like this pick, Ryan, and especially when I look at the draft and I look at who else is on the board. Were there guys that maybe paid, played positions that were maybe a greater need for the Ravens? Sure, there were guys on the board like that. But you that's what NFL teams have to do. There's this notion that, well, you know, always take the best player available. That's absurd. I mean, that's if you're if, if you're the Chiefs and, and the best player available is a quarterback, you're not taking a quarterback, right? It's I mean, it's, it's unrealistic expectations. Right. There are is. times when that is the case. You have to look at and balance between best player available with what our needs are. And sometimes you look at a guy like Kyle Hamilton. Say, we don't technically have a need for Kyle Hamilton, but this kid's too good to pass up and we can find a way to make it work. And I think that's going to be the key. Can they find a way to make it work? That is going to ultimately determine whether this ends up being a great pick in actuality, you know, how it pans out or just a great pick on paper the day after the draft. I think that's ultimately going to determine just, you know, whether or not this is going to end up working for him. And I think it could end up being a good thing for Kyle too, because, you know, there are parts of his game that need work. I mean, we've talked about that. He 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 did freelance a lot at Notre Dame. He was allowed to, pardon me, freelance a lot at Notre Dame. I, I don't think he ever necessarily got comfortable in a traditional safety role, which is fine. I mean, that's that'll help him in the, in what we're talking about. But there's parts of his games that need to get cleaned up. Coverage, he, you know, it's, his footwork and coverage can be inconsistent. You know, things along those lines. Where in college, he was able to use elite athleticism to overcome that, you, you can't always do that in the NFL, right? Because you're going against other elite athletes. athletes. And again, uh, uh, elite athleticism to me is what you show on film, not what you show in shorts, right? So to me, I think this could be a really good thing because he's not, if you get, if he would have got picked in the top five, let's say the Lions would have taken him at two or the Jets would have taken him. There'd have been this thought that he has to go in and immediately be a difference maker. And I don't know if there's going to be that same pressure on him in Baltimore, Ryan, because he's not necessarily being looked at as like, you got to come in and you're going to beat out Chuck Clark or you're going to beat out Marcus Williams. And, you know, that that Marcus Williams, is it Williams or Williamson? I always, it's Williamson, right? Williams, Williams. Williams. Okay. Mm-hmm. I always get him confused with the, with, uh, never mind. Anyway, uh, but Marcus Williams, you don't have to do that, right? You come in, you find your role. And if you're ready to play, we're going to find a place for you to play. And I think that takes a little bit of the pressure off Kyle to say, hey, let's, you know, let's let's work on some of these things. You can limit them. You can make him a, a, you know, more of a package player right away. 
until he kind of ex- you know, evolves his all-around game. And I think once that happens, he's going to have a chance to be a special, special player. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited to see if they do use some three three safety alignments, obviously, instead of using a, maybe a more traditional nickel, maybe you go a little bit of a bigger nickel where Kyle's maybe that slot defender to a degree. Also, Brian, one thing that I think is very important to mention is Kyle Hamilton's a safety. I'm not saying that he's going to be a full-time linebacker, but the Baltimore Ravens have not been great at linebacker, man. Patrick Queen has really not materialized to the player they thought he could be, so Kyle could help two different levels of this defense pretty early on in his career at least in a you know a sub package role at worst. So I think he kind of hits a lot of lot of thresholds that you want as far as the ability to help the team. I think it's a great situation for him to be a part of a good organization, a good coaching staff. Stability is a big thing. And when you think of Baltimore Ravens, not only do you just think of great defenders, I mean I think of Ed Reed. I think of, you know, they had um they had Earl Thomas there for a couple years too. Like they've traditionally had some great safeties on the back end. They tend to prioritize that position obviously with the five year 70 million dollar deal they gave Marcus Williams this offseason like that kind of speaks to that very firmly that that's who they that's what they value so I I like the fit for everything it is I am just cautiously I'm not worried per se I just hope that this coaching staff has a plan for him and one other thing I was curious about Brian I would love to hear your your comment on this it was it was assumed that the Eagles jumped up to 13 because the Ravens wanted Jordan Davis I am curious who they would have taken the Ravens if Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton were on the board because very different conversations, right? Jordan Davis, like you said, he might play 35 to 40 snaps. It might be dominant at the 35 to 40 snaps, but what is the impact on passing downs? And then you, again, you have a multidimensional player like Kyle Hamilton where he doesn't fit traditionally what a safety might play and he's going to have to freelance a little bit. So you're going to have to plan for him. So, the evaluation of the safety position versus a nose tackle. It's just a couple fascinating tidbits from last night, man. It was a bizarre draft, but there's also fun, like just football talking points, you know, like how the game's evolving, where the game's going a little bit. There were two thoughts for me on that. My first thought was, well, when you look at that, they traded Hollywood Brown, you know, could, could it have been a situation where it was Jahan Dotson? Number one, number two, if, if both of those guys were off the board, it wouldn't shock me knowing Baltimore and what they've done, even under the new GM, if they would have traded down and yeah. taken the kid they took at 26. I mean, because clearly they had they loved that kid. So, I mean, you used the pick that you you gave up. You gave up, you know, Mark, you know Hollywood Brown, and you went and got this kid with him. You traded a electric receiver that had 1,000 yards last year and used that pick to draft a center, right? So, I'm not, that's not a knock. I mean, it's the best center in the draft and it was clearly a, you know, a need, you know? And so I, I like the pick. It wouldn't have shocked me if they would have taken one of those two guys at 14, but I know in Baltimore, my, my guess would be since you had seen all these teams, that's what was interesting, Ryan. Um, you look at last, last night's draft. I was not at all surprised that there was no trading in the first round. The only trading was before the draft with the Seahawks, Obviously, you know, some of the trades were the uh, allowed the Jets get two picks, but they weren't people trading into this specific first round, right? The, the, other than I, the, the Seahawks, right? That was the only one where they were looking to get in this first round, but more so looking to unload Russell Wilson. Where I thought the trades were going to start is about when they did around 13 to 15, a little bit sooner than I thought, but because, because that's where this draft was like, you could get guys and you and I discussed this before the draft, you could get a guy at 15 that you could get a, you know, that's going to be similar to what you can get in the top seven or eight, right? It's just, it's not an elite top of the draft, you know, top of the board draft, but it's a great depth draft. 
And so there were going to be teams making phone calls to the Baltimore Ravens of 14. And if, if he's not sitting there, then, you know, then, then he's out. Right. So then they're out of that pick. So I, I could see that. Cause I think 14 might've been a tad too high for Jahan Dotson in my opinion, but uh, I think 16 was a little bit too high for Jahan Dotson to be honest with you. And I like Jahan Dotson. So I think the Ravens would have traded down. That's what I think they would have done. But if you had to force me like, Hey, don't cheat Brian, like you always do. And, you know, not answer the question. I think I, I, I would not have shocked me if they would have gone with the kid that they got at 26. It would not have shocked me at all. Wouldn't have, Cause there's no, like, there's no like Patrick Queens struggle a little bit, right? There's not, it's not like there's another linebacker that you can replace him with. Right. I mean, I don't know if there's any offensive lineman right there that I would have loved to, to kind of step into a role there. So I thought some of the linemen they, that got picked there, I thought the Texans overdrafted Kenyon green. I mean, so Trevor Penning was overdrafted at 19 in my in my view. So I don't know if there was a, a a fit there, Ryan. What 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 do you think they would have done if Hamilton and Jordan Davis were both gone? I I think they were infatuated with Jordan Davis, and I think that kind of fits traditionally how they kind of work, right? Like they've always valued up front the Holodinatas of the world. Brandon Brandon Williams was obviously a late rounder, but they obviously valued him to the highest degree as far as keeping him on the football team. So I think they really do like to build that, you know, inside and out. So I think they actually would have probably deferred to the defensive line. Why receivers a funky who? one, man. That's What's my that? question though. Who that would have been. If, the if, I, was, I was saying if Jordan Davis, if the Eagles didn't frog leapfrog them to get, no, Jordan I get Davis. that. But like you, the premise yeah. was if Jordan Davis, Kyle Hamilton were both gone. Oh, if they were both gone. I'm sorry. That's, I thought that was the premise okay. of your of your original question, right? Is if Jordan Davis and Kyle? Oh Hamilton no, no. I, I I I was I was trying to check if you thought who they would draft if both players were on the board. Both oh, of both those players, players on the board. I completely yeah. answered a different question. I think <laughs> they would have drafted Jordan Davis. I mean, based on everything I've read, I don't know that for a fact. Based on what I read, right. I think that I think it was a cooler idea to look at what they did if they were both gone. That's the question yeah. I answered. It is is good. So, it is good. I, I mean, you said they're both gone, but I, I mean, from everything, I mean, I have no idea. Other than just what I've read, it sounds like yeah. like you said Jordan Davis was the guy. But you know, but Jordan, da- but did they think Kyle Hamilton was going to be there fourteen? I don't know. You know, I mean, especially with the late the buzz. I mean, I I put that latest mock draft thing out for Kyle Hamilton, and there was only two people, you being one, that had him in the top ten, and everybody else had him going from like eleven to eighteen. So they had to have some idea he was going to be there, but. And, and sometimes you wonder, like, was the Jordan Davis stuff? I mean, again, we're talking about how smart and savvy the Ravens are. It was, from what I had read, it was kind of well known that they really liked Jordan Davis. Was that intentional? Did the Ravens really let everybody know how much they liked Jordan Davis? Because they just love him so much they couldn't hide their emotions and feelings? Or did they do that because they were trying to get some stupid team like the Eagles to trade up and take them? You know what I mean? That, that was knows? like the – Who knows? That was- that was like the Steelers had made it well known. And again, this is why I call this 50 50 season, man. Like, you only believe 50% of what you hear right now. And it is the whole, the untold, the easy secret that everyone's been kind of knowing is that the Steelers really liked Malik Willis. They've been infatuated with Malik Willis. Well, they had a chance to draft Malik Willis and they drafted Kenny Pickett instead, man. So this is smoke, this is smokescreen season, man. And I think that they did that because they wanted to be able to try to get in front of them to get Malik Willis, and that would let Kenny Pickett fall to them. I guess Kenny Pickett was just their guy. How silly of a pick that is is a different conversation, but, you know, it is it is what it is this time of year. So, Ryan, we're going to go till about noon. I really want to talk about the rest of the first round because it was, an, it was a really entertaining first round of the draft. And I had hoped that it would be entertaining because it just – it wasn't a great – I mean, it's really funny. I thought 
you know, when I look at the draft and I think like who the five best players in the draft are, I think only like one, maybe two of them were actually taken in the top five, <laughs> you know, which is kind of interesting. But let's just we're not going to go necessarily pick by pick, but let's just kind of start at the top and work our way down. And I, I really want to get your thoughts on on Trayvon Walker going number one to to, to the Jaguars, because I know you didn't love it. And, and I have some thoughts on it. You know, it, it this is the danger you have in a draft that really doesn't have a surefire. Wow. That, that you know, that guy's that guy's a great player. And, and, you know, do you take the safe pick in Aiden Hutchinson? Do you take Trevon Walker on the upside? Do you take a lineman? And they went with Trevon Walker. Yeah, I mean, I would have went Thibodeau personally. That's just kind of like my whole my whole sticking point there. Mm-hmm. But the the so the reason that you take Trevon Walker is we talked about the athleticism, right? Like the unteachables is so important at that position. So 6'5", 272, 35 and a half inch arms, 4'5", 140, 40 inch vert. Like it's just it's absurd numbers, man. He's a a darn good athlete, right? And he played in that odd man front where he was playing mostly head up alignments. You know, he was playing twos. He was playing fours. He wasn't playing like an outside shade of anybody. So there's a clear projection to being a full-time edge. But what I'm hoping that they do, Brian, because I do think that he could be a really good player if he is brought along correctly and developed properly, is I hope that Jacksonville has in their mind that they're going to run multiple fronts. Because I think if they put him in just a four-man front and just try to let him do that. I have bad feelings that this is going to end up like Solomon Thomas that came out of Stanford a couple mm-hmm. years ago, who Trent Bulky also drafted, if I remember correctly, yeah. you know? So he played a interior spot his entire career, and then they tried to make him play edge, and it just wasn't something he was used to, and it wasn't something he was natural at. So I hope that they play between a four- and a three-man front, let him also still play his head-up techniques at times, let him be more DeForest Buckner than a true edge, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, I think, the ideal situation for him. But again – that's I mean, Doug Peterson staffs came in right, so obviously it's going to be more competent than Urban Meyer. But until right. Trent Bulky is not the GM, I don't really trust anything that's going to happen with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, but the selling point is you can't teach teach that length, you can't teach that athleticism. The upside is immense, but it's just not the guy I would have picked there. It just wasn't. Here's my thing: I think Trayvon Walker is one of those guys could end up being a better pro than he was a college player, and, and I'll be shocked if he's not. But there's a difference between that and justifying being the number one overall pick. I mean, it's kind of, we've talked about this before, like your perception, if Dak Prescott was a top 10 pick, what would the perception of it be relative to what it is now? Right. And, and, you know, if Mitch Trubisky would have been a fourth round pick compared to being the number two overall pick, how would people perceive him when they have been as disappointed by him? Or like, Hey, you know what? This guy turned out to be a pretty good player where you're picked matters into how you're perceived and, and the expectate because number one, you're paying a guy that's picked number one overall a lot, a lot more than you're paying a guy that's picked in the fourth round. I just don't see a scenario in which he justifies being the number one overall pick. And I, I, I'm with you. It's like, look, this is the the weird thing about this draft is, the, is there's this film like, you know, oh, the, you know at the end of the day that the, you know, you go to the film, this was a draft loaded with people taking guys based off workouts and intangibles this- and not film. This was an analytics-based draft. Hundred percent draft. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's going to end up costing some people because, like you said, the best edge player in this draft was the third edge taken in this draft. And I'm sorry, like the the Lions and the Jaguars, and like the Lions, like sprinting up to the thing with the card, you know, right after Trayvon goes number one. You know, it's like, oh, you, you okay, local kid, great story and all that, but he's a good football player that should have been in the 15s to 20. Range yeah. not number two, in my opinion. 100%. And we're talking about Aiden Hutchison. And, and you know, look, it's like people are hammering the Texans for taking Derek Stingley, right? And I'm like, 
I actually don't have a problem with that because again, you're picking third. There's really nobody there that's that's you know, I mean, you unless you want to take Kayvon Thibodeau, who I felt was the best player in the draft, but like if you're gonna take a chance, take a chance on a high upside guy. And that's where I kind of don't have a problem with what the Jaguars did. Because do you want to take a safe player like you know, like somebody said, you know, the the, the smart pick would have been Evan Neal, you know, get a, a a player to protect your quarterback. And I would have had no problem with taking Evan Neal, but again, Evan Neal's not the number one player in the draft. He's a good player. You're drafting a right tackle number one. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know how I feel about that, right? Like I, I don't know if he can be a left tackle, right? So you, you could take the safe pick, but you're paying a lot of money to that safe pick. I think they took a chance on a guy, like you said, if we can turn that that athleticism into production with our coaching, I think they're betting on themselves and that may not be smart. It may not pan out, but I do, I get it at least. That's, and that's the same thing with Derek Stingley. Like, do I think they should have taken him number three? No, I'm not saying that, but I understand it. Cause you're at least, you're taking a chance on a guy that had he not been hurt the last two years, what could he have done? I mean, you can't just ignore that he was banged up the last two years. You can't ignore it. But I think that's what you you get yourself in those bad situations, Ryan, when you're in a draft where you're picking in the top five and nobody wants to trade into the top five for a reason. You know, like I heard like the first 10 picks went by so fast. That only happens because nobody's phone was ringing. <laughs> like that's the only reason it happens. Because and because during the, during the lead up to the draft, they'd had all these conversations about trades and nobody was interested in moving up. Well, and did you even see? Did you even see the trades that did happen? For, so, like when Detroit went from thirty-two up to twelve to take Jamison Williams, the the um, who was it that traded with them? It was the uh, it was the Vikings. The Vikings barely got any compensation right. back for it, man. It was like a pick swap in like a second round pick or something right. like that. They moved twenty, like spots. 20 spots. Yeah, it's insane. Yes. Yeah, it was yes. not the year to trade, man. It was it, well, it was the year to trade up. Right. I mean, I'm sorry, the year to trade up. It's not the year to trade back. Like it yeah. just wasn't Actually, that year. I, I somewhat I, I get what you're saying on that, but like to me, it, it's kind of like, do you, do you, if you're sitting there at 12 and you're like, there's nobody that we think is worth paying the number 12 overall pick, you you load up on picks because you're gonna. I mean, look, they got a guy in Lewis Sign. I mean, is there a huge difference between Lewis Sign and you know whoever they would have got at 12? I would say yeah, because I would have said stay there and take take Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But right. here's the problem with that. Kyle Hamilton and Harrison Smith are almost the same guy. Right. So they won't complement each other. You know, and so anyway, it it made it very intriguing. But you look at some of those. I I'll tell you the two teams, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the two te- two teams in the top ten that I thought did the best job were the Giants and the Jets. And I can't believe I'm teams. saying that, but yeah, yep. I'm shocked. I mean the the Jets. I had some people that I did. I was shocked. Some of my buddies didn't like the Ahmed Gardner pick at four. I I, I did, and and get, getting Garrett Wilson at ten. You got the best receiver in the draft at ten, and you didn't have to trade to get him. I mean, and he was the sec- second receiver off the board too, which is yeah. insane. I would say twice they got my top player at, at in the draft at a position second, which you know because Derek Stingley's not my top corner in the draft. Ahmed Gardner is. Sauce Gardner is. And then Drake London's definitely not my top receiver in the draft. Hey, I love Drake. I love, I love Drake, man. He made me some money yesterday. Yes, he did. Respect the Drake London. So, and then for the Jets to jump back in, because like part of me was thinking like, you know, don't the Jets need like an edge rusher? Like maybe they should have thought about getting Thibodeau at four and all that. Well, then they're able to trade back into the late in the first round, not give up a ton and get Jermaine Johnson. I mean, the Jets had a night. 
a night last night, Ryan. And you got a you got a receiver for your franchise quarterback, and then you just made a big jump on your defense. I, man, I, I I can't believe I'm saying this. Like it seems just weird coming out of my mouth, but the New York Jets had a great first round last night. Yeah, no, I mean, they really did. We actually had somebody on that was kind of wasn't upset with the Garrett Wilson pick because he liked the Garrett Wilson pick, but he wanted an edge rusher, right? Because kind of what you're talking about, they're like, he literally said, I just really would have rather made maybe they drafted Jermaine Johnson. And then they come back and they get Jermaine Johnson at 26. It's like, man, I said that to my buddy Tony last night. I said, I would not have crushed the Jets. It may be a little higher than should, but I would not have crushed the Jets at 10 if they would have taken Jermaine Johnson. I'd have said it's a little high. But I'd have been like, I get it. I like Jermaine Johnson. But to get him at 26 and then you still – I mean, that's no. that's what it comes down to. Like you said, you take – the to me, the best player on the in the draft at 10, the two best players in the draft were Kyle Hamilton and Garrett Wilson. And they went with Garrett Wilson. And I think Garrett Wilson has, is the safer pick than Kyle Hamilton to me for the Jets. I I, I – I have some issues with Kyle Hamilton's projection and the injuries and some other things and all that, but Garrett Wilson was one of the safest picks in this draft for me in the modern NFL era. He is the perfect fit for a receiver in this era. Great ball skills, like not an elite athlete, but athletic and a, a really exceptional route, you know, route running potential in, in, in the NFL. So I love that pick in I mean, Ryan, it was in February. We were seeing mock drafts that had Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau going one and two, right? And the Giants got him at five and seven. I mean, just a great draft. I mean, talk about building around your 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 young. There's no excuses for Daniel, you know, for Daniel Jones now. I mean, he's going to have good protection. He's got some weapons to work with if they can stay healthy. I loved what the Giants did in those two picks. I can make an argument, and it is true for me, but obviously this is, you know, individual to everyone. But I think the Giants got two of the top four players in this draft at picks five and seven. Just mm-hmm. think about that for a second. Like not yeah. top two players, two of two of the top four players in this draft at picks five and seven at two incredibly important positions, by the way, defensive end, pass rusher, and offensive tackle. Like two of the outside of quarterback, those are two the two most important positions in the NFL right now. And yeah, I mean the great thing too is is that it fits so well in that system too mm-hmm. because you have Aziz Ojolari who they drafted last year out of Georgia who had a nice rookie year. He's more of a stand up rusher though, right? Like he's a lightly built kid. Kayvon Thibodeau's 6'4", 34 right. inch arms, more of a hand in the dirt traditional type of player. So they're going to that ran a four or five well. eight. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's pretty athletic. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, there was a question yeah. from from ninety nine problems BK one to address this, Ryan. I'm, I'm you know like. <laughs> Let's say the Jets would have traded into 26. So it's this question about the Jets. Would you prefer they have taken Thibodeau at four than a cornerback later in the first round? So, you know, let's just say they would have traded in to take a Trent McDuffie or a Kyer Elam. I still like the way it worked out for the Jets because to me, the gap between Ahmed Gardner and Trent McDuffie or Kyer Elam is greater than the gap between Kayvon Thibodeau and Jermaine Johnson for me. For me. Yeah. And so, but but neither neither would have been bad. Like I'd have been fine if the Jets would have taken Thibodeau at four, Garrett Wilson at ten, and then traded back into the first round to get Kyrie Elam or to get Trent McDuffie. I'd still be sitting there saying Jets had a great night. They had yeah. a great night. I, I I prefer the way they went, but I would have been fine with that too. I, I mean, it it really worked out well for them, and I think that if they were willing to trade back in, I don't know if they would have traded back in for one of those corners like they did Jermaine Johnson. But let's just say if they did, 
I, I think that would have, you know, what, what, what he brought up would have been fine as well. I'd still be center praising them. I, yeah. I think both teams made it e- the easy selections and l- like, again, with the giants, I think that Thibodeau is going to work so well off of Ojolari. And then Brian, I think what's huge is that you have Evan Neal. The one thing that I was worried about was if Charles Cross was the guy at seven, who I really like, I like Charles Cross out of mm-hmm. Mississippi state, but he's only played left tackle. And I don't want to move Andrew Thomas, even though right. he played right tackle a little bit at Georgia. Like I don't want to move him after the yeah. season he just had. Right Now you have Evan Neal who had also played right tackle at Alabama. Like it's easy plug and play. And at pick seven, you know, right tackle, that's fine because you just have your bookends yeah. now. You, Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal, that is your starting offensive tackles for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So just Andrew love, Thomas love is young. Yes. I guess people don't realize about Andrew Thomas. He he's going into his third year in the NFL. He's young. He's, he's a like twenty two right now. Right. Something. He's a yeah, very young player. So I I love what the the New York teams did. Panthers taking Ekwanu at six. I get it. I didn't like it. I didn't love it. Uh, the Falcons taking Drake London at eight is just like that's why that organization sucks. I mean, I know it made you some money, but that's. That was an that was an absurd pick. For I just I expected it to happen. Yeah, I, I I had been told that Drake London eight to Atlanta. Atlanta really liked him, obviously, yeah. and then also the Jets at number ten would I would have taken him if he yeah. was there. So yeah, they, he was well, go, he was always going to be the wide first well. receiver. It worked out well for the Jets that he did that that he was taken before because Garrett Wilson's a better football player than Garrett than Drake Drake London, who's a, a system guy. Speaking of receivers that I thought were bad picks. Not only did the Saints take Chris Olave way too high, they traded up to take him way too high. Then, to make it worse, they tr- took Trevor Penning at the 19th overall pick. So the flip side of what we just talked about with, with the uh, the Jets, I, I, I don't know what the Saints are doing. I, 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 it's I, questionable what they're doing. When they made the trade with the Eagles to position themselves up a little higher, I assumed that they were going to make a move for the third offensive tackle. And it was looking solid for a second because Cross didn't go off until number nine. I'm like, huh, maybe they could probably trade up there with the – I think they had the the 15th and 19th pick now or or something like that. But then, you know, Cross goes off the board, and you put yourself in a terrible position, Brian, because Mm – you had to take it off at the tackles. You don't have a left tackle right now. <laughs> like you don't have right. one. So Penning's people are, I, and this is true. Penning has good potential to develop. If he was a day two player, second or third exactly. round, I'd be like, cool. That's, that's it. That's, that's exactly yeah. right. It's about where you get picked as far as the value that you, you're going to have to pay him top 20 NFL draft pick money. And, and I don't see him being ready to play as a rookie, at least not play it's, well. Yeah. As a well, rookie. He, he's, he's, you know who he is? He reminds in. me a lot of, I'm a Broncos yeah. fan. He reminds me a lot of Garrett Bowles. Who ended a up being a good player? Ended yeah. up being a good player, right? But it took time, and and that to me is kind of the whole point. Is you know how how long a guy is going to take is going to be determined by because the Broncos picked Garrett Bowles at twenty, and that's why he got a lot of criticism early in his career because when you pick a guy twenty, you expect him to kind of come in and 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 be. You don't expect him to take three four years to get going. Now that pick has panned out. Right. So it could be this, that the Saints are like, look, we're re- we're re- we're redoing this whole thing. we got a new coach. We don't have Drew Brees anymore. We're rebuilding. So we'll take a chance on a, a, a talented but raw kid like Trevor Penning and, you know, Chris Olave. That could be it, too. And if that's the case, then I'm a little bit more understanding of it. But on on the surface, I, I did not. I did not lo- love it. I, I actually liked a buddy of mine hated that the, the Lions trading up to 12 to get Jamison Williams. And I didn't. Why? I, I didn't. Have, well, he thought it was too high because of the injury and all that. And I said, "Look, I haven't." I said, "Look, the Lions aren't drafting to win the Super Bowl next year." 
you're getting a guy that, you know, because I said, well, you said, told me that you thought Jamison Williams of health is the best receiver in the draft, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, ACLs aren't what they used to be. He's going to be fine, right? He's already running around. So maybe you don't get him for half this year. Okay. You're not, again, you're not winning the Super Bowl this year. You just went through a year where your best receiver was Amon Ross St. Brown. And you got a kid that I think can be a, a difference maker. And then that makes Amon Ross St. Brown better because now you've got TJ Hawkinson as your, 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 your chain mover. You've got Amon Ross, who's more of a slot, you know, also, shifty type of guy. They also get, signed DJ Chark in free agency yeah, too. So, right. And yeah. then, you know, so, so to me, this was a good move because again, you're a team that's building for the future. And, you know, that's why I, it's why I didn't love the Aiden Hutchinson pick. I would have liked to see them be a little bit more bold there at number two. But if you could have got Jamison Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau, I'd feel I'd be feeling a different way about the Lions draft right now than I than I do at the current moment. Well, Aiden Hutchinson was more likely to to eat a kneecap off for whatever Dan Campbell likes at yeah. coach. Do you remember? Do you remember that little opening? Weird dude. <laughs> he was a really it's weird a, guy, man. It's like that's so why you don't make fullbacks head coaches, man. They're tight ends head coaches because that's a. That is a weird dude. I did like the Seahawks getting Charles Cross at nine. And as someone who likes Drew Locke, I was a big fan of that. Big fan of that. Because like you, I could I, I could have – to me, he's actually my favorite tackle in the draft. He's not the sure thing that Evan Neal is, but I think he's got a higher ceiling than Evan Neal in my opinion. That's my he's, thoughts on Charles he, Cross. He's, he's the best pass blocker in the draft. And I thought he took a huge step forward from 2020 to 2021 in terms of anchor and just power profile. Like he really right. filled out this past year. So, yeah, I, I agree. It was so weird because I had been like jokingly mocking weird people to the, to the, um, to the Seahawks because when they've been picking in the 20s or 30s over the years, they've picked just the weirdest guys like mm-hmm. LJ Collier. Jermaine Effetti, like all these weird, yeah. weird DJ Fluker, like all these weird, weird dudes where you're just like, what are they doing, man? And they made a pick at number nine. I guess they just had to pick in the top 10 to be more conventional, but like they picked probably the best player on the board. I mean, like I, I thought Kyle right. Hamilton was the best player on the board, but like Charles Cross is playing a more premier position right, right there and he's in close conversation. So I thought it was just, it was an easy selection, honestly, in my mind. Mm-hmm. And it was the right one. Which I'm is really little, weird for Seahawks. I'm a little surprised the Seahawks weren't more interested in Kyle Hamilton just because you think of the whole rebranding Cam Chancellor thing. But the Seahawks showed no, I mean, they were one of only two NFL teams that weren't at Notre Dame's Pro Day. So it was like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. But yeah, I, I liked it. And again, you know, I like Drew Locke. I think he's got a chance to be an NFL quarterback. He just never had time in Denver. And he never had either. Some years he had the weapons and didn't have the line. And just never had the faith in him. What I've read, again, I don't know this for a fact, but what I've read is the Seahawks like Drew Locke. They're willing to give him a chance. And if that's true, I think this was a smart pick. There's a couple others that I liked as we because I want to do the trades last. I want to do the picks involved with some of the trades last. What did you think of the Steelers taking Kenny Pickett? I'm really not sure if a kid with hands that small can throw in Pittsburgh, though. You know, that northern city with the bad weather and all that other kind of stuff. For those who may be watching that aren't normal regulars of the show, that's called sarcasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so we did an instant reaction thing with a guy that covers the Steelers, and he was like over the moon, right? He's like, oh, man, Pittsburgh kid stays in Pittsburgh. I'm like, first of all, he's a New Jersey kid, but that's a different conversation for a different time. But <laughs> um, Sorry, I don't know why I'd throw that in there, but um, I I mean, honestly, man, I think that Kenny Pickett is a very sound quarterback at the next level. I think he has a high upside. 
to be a really good backup and maybe start in the right situation. But I don't ever think he's ever going to be anything more than a spot starter to an average starter at the absolute best. Like, I just don't see it. I think he's a tough kid. I think his arm's solid. I think he's a good athlete. I think it's all great. Like, that's fine. And he's a good culture fit. I understand it. I completely get all the layers. But for this, I, I just don't like the situation he's getting thrown into, first and foremost. The offensive line's not great in Pittsburgh. He's too much of a freelancer for me. And then they just signed Mitch Trubisky. And again, Mitch Trubisky was always used as a bridge, right? He's a bridge. Well, what is your bridge to? Kenny Pickett's already 24 years old. And his thing is that he's a floor guy. He's not a ceiling right. guy. For me, right. I'm not a Malik Willis guy either. But like, I would have rather them take Willis and they use the bridge that way. Because at least he has traits where you can kind of be like, right. okay, maybe I can get there, right? I I just don't see it. Yeah, like, that, you know, I'm not high on Malik Willis. You know that. But there's at least some tools to work with. And here, here's my big concern with Kenny Pickett. I always have concerns with guys who only really did it for one year, especially quarterback. And Kenny Pickett was just an okay player at best for four years. He showed flashes last year of maybe what this could become. But he's a guy that came from a pro system, which I liked. I think he's smart. I think he's a leader. I think that I, I get why they made the pick. I just personally wouldn't have done it. I would have taken somebody else there and taken Sam Howell in the second round. Like to me, the gap between Sam Howell, I mean, I've told you Sam Howell's my probably my favorite quarterback in this draft, right? And so just me personally, I would have not taken, I wouldn't have taken any of the quarterbacks there. And what I said to you the other day was if there was a court, we talked about this off the air. If there was a quarterback I was going to take a chance on in round one, it's probably Desmond Ritter just because of the tools. But even him, I'm not because I have other issues with Desmond Ritter. There's not a quarterback in this draft I couldn't just shred. There should not have been a quarterback taken in the first round. I get why the Steelers did it, though. I just don't love it. You know, I don't love it. Now, he may prove us wrong, but like you said, he's 24. I mean, I think that's part of the reason he had the success he had last year is because he's 24, you know, and he's played a ton of football. So I just and, – and we saw in some games like against Miami – where you just kind of saw his lack of arm strength get exposed a little bit with some of the throws he tried to make in that game. I didn't, I didn't necessarily love that pick. I, I, the Green Bay Packers, it's like, do you guys purposely do this to Aaron Rodgers? Like, do you do this on purpose? You took the second best linebacker, inside linebacker for Georgia in the first round I, of the NFL I, draft. I, I could argue he was third because that's inside linebacker. Pretty decent. Yeah. Well, they got Tyndall, the other kid that, that would rotate yeah. in, who's in the draft too, is a four four seven kid. So that that was, I mean, first and foremost, I actually won that bet as well. I put Quay Walker as being the first linebacker off the board because the NFL stupid, and they just did this last year with Jamin Davis. Right. So it was going to happen you, again. You took him over Jeremiah Usukormo because of. You know, because he was 6'4", 240 right. and looks the part. Too bad his eyes right. stink and he has no diagnostic skills. Okay, right. I don't, I don't know what right. to tell you. And then they took uh, Devontae Wyatt with the 28th pick, who's a talented player, but some legitimate concerns as to why you probably shouldn't have taken him there. So I, I'll never, I'll never understand them. I really liked Buffalo trading up to get Kyer Elam. I did. I, I like yeah. that pick a lot. He's a guy that may not end up being a. a a first round player, but I think he's got a really high ceiling. I do. I think he's a guy that needs a little bit of work. He played in a crap system under Todd Grantham, a crap system. And if you're the bills, you don't have a lot of needs right now. So they targeted a guy that they liked. He fell far enough for them to feel comfortable. Like let's go up and get him. I, I liked it. I mean, it just, it's just, an, I, I, this organ, this organization has turned into do, they do some really good things in the draft recently, man. And this is another example of it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I like the Kyrie Elam pick. I, I put on, 
I figured I was on a podcast or I put it on Twitter the other day. I'm just like, why are people not mocking him in the first round more? He's six right. two with length, ran four three nine, and played a lot of football at the University of Florida. Like, what what, right. what exactly am I missing here? Like, yeah, there's things to improve. I I think his press techniques though is pretty nice. I just think that he gets a little overly concerned with physicality at times, which right. is, is teachable. You can you can reel a guy back. You know, it's hard to make a guy more aggressive, but you can take some aggressive out at times, right? So. I, I like the Elam pick, and especially I think Tredavious White's going to miss a little bit of time to start the year, so they need another cornerback to step up. And then when he comes back, you got those two. You got Dane Jackson, Teron Jackson in, inside at the nickel spot, and then your secondary all of a sudden with the two safeties behind him, Poyer and Hyde, that's one of the best secondaries in the NFL. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tyler Evans trying to throw a little shade. He says, Brian, happy with your first round pick, LOL. Obviously, I'm a Broncos fan. Yeah, I think Notre Dame, I think the, the Broncos got the best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion, and Russell Wilson. So, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm whatever. I'm fine with it. I'm good with it. Because, again, you had the ninth pick in a year where – now, I'll say this. They need a right tackle. And when the Seahawks took Charles Cross, I was like, oh. They could add Charles Cross, but that goes back to my feelings on Drew Locke. If I'm wrong on Drew Locke, then it was a great move, and they were better off getting Russell Wilson, so we'll see how it pans out. Uh, we talked a little bit about Baltimore uh, taking Kyle Hamilton. Th- there was such a Baltimore move to get that kid, Tyler Linderbaum, at 25. I thought it was a, a great – he's a good football player, man, really good football player. And I think culturally he'll fit in really well there into that – Team first mentality, you know, just culturally from a football team, not so much City Baltimore. I don't have a clue how I'll fit there. But as far as fitting into the culture of what the Ravens are about, I think he'll 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 step in and I think help them out right away. I like that pick a lot. I'm not sure if you did, but I like that pick a lot. Well, Linderbaum, yeah. Now he's he was one of the guys that's it it was the I thought the Ravens one of the big winners because they both get they got two incredible values. I would say that Kyle Hamilton was a I thought he was the best player in the draft regardless of position, but either way, I think most people thought he was at least a top five player in that regard. So you got a top five player at number 14 and Tyler Linderbaum for a right system. He might be a little scheme specific, but for the right system, he's a top 10 player in the class. Like he's a, tr- mm-hmm. he's a true first round type of player. So they getting him at 25. There's obviously some concerns about the size, but if you're a movement based system, that's going to ask him to be an athlete like he is, you're going to be very good. So yeah, yeah. no, I'd, I'd like to pick. I thought it was, it made sense. There were guys there that made sense. You weren't reaching for anything. It's like, huh, okay, Linderbaum's a really good player. He's our number one player on the board. Let's take him. And it happened to be in a position of need. They needed to upgrade the center position. So make complete sense. 
I thought the Chiefs needed to upgrade their defense, and they went with Trent, they traded up to get Trent McDuffie and also got George Karloftis. What did you think of the Chiefs? Car- oh man, it was Karloftis at thirty. Want to talk about tremendous value? I had him as a top fifteen player in this class. Did you <laughs> like listen it. to the uh, ESPN? What what broadcast were you listening to? I, I was well, I was watching ESPN. I had it on mute though. They were like hammering Karloftis. For what? Like he's on rotation. He, and I'm like, did you guys watch a different kid than I watched? Like, I don't know what you're talking. I thought there's, I thought at 30, I thought that was a really good pick. There's this weird, there's this weird thing around Karloftis where people act like he's not athletic. It's the weirdest thing in the world. No, because- Notre Dame made that same mistake. Mike Elston and Mike Elko made that same mistake coming out of high school. His hips are too tight and all that. So they passed on him. He was- he, he, he would have come to Notre Dame if they wanted him. They passed on him. And I you look now and you're like, uh, yeah, that that was not smart. And and I, I just don't understand why it's still sticking because he's two hundred and seventy something pounds and he ran four seven one had a thirty in, thirty eight inch vert and a ten foot broad like he's he's a really good athlete man and he's physical and he's got great hands and I they think he understands about his length that was an issue like but that's the, length th- is the problem like that's yes yeah. I get it his arms are a little tiny bit shorter they're like sub thirty three it's like thirty two and three quarters which is longer. That Aiden Hutchinson and his wingspan is longer yep. than Aiden Hutchinson, but yet you've never heard anything about Aiden Hutchinson's length. You've never heard right. it once. It's it's weird. For yeah. the 30th overall pick, I thought it was a steal. And I like Trent McDuffie. I really do. I thought that that was a really good selection for the Kansas City Chiefs because they need a plug-and-play corner. Like he's yeah. His ceiling might not be quite as high as some of the other guys in this class, but you can depend on him, man. Great zone instincts, just a great, smart player. A Jimmy Lake corner. Like, that's yeah. what he is. Well, I was going to ask you, who do you think would have been the better fit at 21? You had two corners really on the board that were draftable there, right? It was McDuffie and Kyrie Elam. Who would you have taken at that pick? Or is it one of like, oh, yeah, I think you're good either way? Well, I mean, honest, honestly, the corner that I would have taken, but he he's fallen to the second round because of injury concerns. I would have taken Andrew Booth Jr., though, if he was cleared. I think I think that he is a really good football player, but he fell out of the first round because there are some injury, um, some medical that came up or whatever. But out of those two, I would have taken Kyir Elam just because I think there's a higher upside to him, McDuffie. Like, I think that you can – foresee him being a true number one corner if he's developed properly for McDuffie I think he could be a number one corner in a pinch but like I think he's just a really good number two corner like he's a guy so, that you can depend so what on. you're saying is Ryan since the Chiefs are in Super Bowl mode right now they needed a guy that for sure could help them right away even then five years maybe Elam ends up being a better player but you feel like exactly it's more about taking a guy right now I, they, I, I, they, I they went they went with the floor I mean it's just like last year Creed Humphrey might not have had the highest ceiling in the world, but like they looked at him, they're just like, but he can help us win right now. You know, like he's ready to play. It's the same same type of situation. Let's talk about a couple of the trades here as we, as we wrap things up, Ryan, there was two big trades made in the first round. And I'm not talking about like trades for picks, but I'm talking about trades for players. So we talked about some of the trades for picks. We talked about the Eagles moving up. I think that was silly to move up to 13 to take a a nose tackle was going to be on the field for less than half the time. I think that's absurd. I thought the saints, I, I like Chris Olave more than you do, but trading up to 11 is was insane to me. Uh, taking him at 11, sitting there and taking him at 11 would have been way too high. You gave up yeah. picks to move up to 11 to get him. I, I had him in a mock draft in the 20s. If he was drafted in the 20s, I would have been like, okay. If he would have been fine. drafted in the teens, like late teens, I'd have been totally fine with it. If a team would have sat there and they had a need. I like Olave more than you do. I don't. I think – just because of the need, I think he fits the NFL. He's a good route runner, all that stuff. Not a great player, but to trade up and get him was silly. I want to talk about the two trades that involved current players and draft picks because I thought this was fascinating. So 
I've talked to a lot of Tennessee fans that are absolutely losing their minds over what the Titans did yesterday. And I'm going to not going to lie to you. I, I have no problem with it. They traded AJ Brown to the Eagles for the number 18 pick. Right. And they took Traylon Burks. You basically traded one guy for a similar guy from a, how he fits into your system. Right. Fits you. You got a. You're a running team that got a big physical vertical pass catcher, who's going to make about three to four million dollars a year. And you traded away a guy who was not happy with his contract, who's now making twenty five million dollars a year, who's been a good player in the NFL but not an elite player in the NFL. I have no problem with what the Titans did there, and I know I'm in the minority there, but I, I really like Traylon Burks a lot. And you got a, a younger, cheaper guy that you now can control for five years. Man, I and, and this, but this goes back to what I said a few years ago. Titans fans lost it on me on Twitter when I was like, that was stupid to give that much money to Ryan Tannehill after one good year. I'm sorry, I was dumb. And now they're regretting it. They're paying him way too much for what he's producing. But that's the reality. You have to live in that reality salary cap. You're giving too much money to your quarterback. You got a really good wide receiver who I think is better than one, at least two of the guys taken ahead of him in, in Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson. You got a pretty darn good receiver. You got extra picks and you just saved yourself $20 million a year. I, I, yeah. I, I liked it. Well, no, I, I, I like Traylon Burks in the, in the, in a vacuum for a second, to your point, he was my fourth ranked wide receiver in this class. So I also did like him over Olave and Dotson. Um, so I, I agree with you completely in, in that sense. And he does fit, very similarly to how AJ Brown how right. AJ Brown wins, he's kind of a right. short separator that is a yak guy, and he is going to break a lot of tackles. And he's going to do that type of thing. And then there's that speed concerns over Traylon Burst. Go watch him against Alabama, man. Like he plays fast. Like he yeah. he's running away from one of the more athletic secondaries in college football. You know, Alabama's secondary wasn't great last year, but all those Jalen Armour Davis and the McKistry kid, like they can all run. Like they can all really run. So. He's a really good football player. I don't. I didn't love it. I, I didn't love it because I understand there's multiple layers to it, right? Like 25 mil a year is a lot. It's a lot for a wide receiver. It really is. AJ Brown though is a proven commodity. So anytime that you change a proven commodity for someone that you don't know yet, it's still projection. There's always a risk. Yeah. Yeah. Because Tennessee is. I mean, pe- people forget like they had a quick exit in the, in the playoffs last year, but they went 13 and four. They were number right. one seed in the AFC. Like it's not like they're a long way away from competing potentially, right? They just need like one really hot, you know, December into a January. Like they just need that type of run. So that's the only reason that I pushed back on it a little bit. Like I liked, again, number 18 pick for, for Traylon Burks. I'm cool with that valuation. I'm cool with that. I like, I like Traylon Burks a ton. It's just this when, when you're basically just replacing him with AJ Brown, I don't think you got better necessarily. You kind no, of see, say, I but see, I, yeah. I don't think that's how they're looking at it. I think what you did is you just got you just because Trayvon, I mean, look, AJ Brown wanted a contract, right? Like, which means what do receivers do when they want a contract? They don't play, right? So you just saved yourself what would have been however big of a hit, right? He's going to make 25 million and you're paying a guy to replace him 4 million which means you now have money to go out and do other things with that. And that's where I'm coming from, you know? So and somebody in the chat said, AJ Brown's an elite receiver. I, I don't see it. Like, I think he's good. Right. But I'm just looking at the statistics. He's barely been over a thousand yards the last two years. Right now, part of that's the system he comes from, but that's the whole point. 
my whole point is you don't need an elite receiver at Tennessee. You don't need a 25. Well, in, in their mind, they don't feel they need a $25 million receiver in that offense. And I understand that. And I mean, it makes sense. So you get a cheap kid. That's a good football player. That's a great fit for that system. Cause he can also win the contested throws. He can win those play action. You're coming down, bringing nine in the box, trying to stop Derrick Henry. And you got a one-on-one outside. You throw that sucker up and he can go win it. Right. And I like that about him too. So I think it's a good fit. And like, like you said, Ryan, I don't think this move ends with just Traylon Burks re- replacing AJ Brown. I think the money saved is then going to impact their ability to go out and sign, you know, some, some areas where they can improve their football team. And I think that's, that's what I liked about it in my opinion. That's fair. So the other one was, here's the other one, mm-hmm. Arizona <laughs> trades the number, what was it? 25, 25, 25 overall pick for, to reunite Hollywood Brown and Kyler Murray. Ryan Roberts, let me hear it. Man, I mean, the Cardinals have a lot of talent on their team, but they are run by dummies. I mean, what do you want me to say about it, man? They have a they have a they have a late they have a, co- a head coach that could never win eight, more than eight games in college, and then he got a head coaching job in the NFL for some reason, and he's handicapped this talented franchise. Like they, they Kyler Murray is a talented dude. They've had wide receivers. They have guys on defense that are pretty talented too. Isaiah Simmons and all those dudes, and Byron Murphy and. They just had Chandler Jones, who's now out the out the door. They had they signed JJ Watt last year. There's talent on that roster. They win in spurts. I, I'm just it, it's it's just flash, man. Like that's all it is at the end of the day. Cliff Kingsbury wanted another weapon. He wanted another shiny toy. He got a shiny toy. And if anybody watches Marquise Brown, I think there was a couple of Baltimore fans in here. Marquise Brown is not that great, man. Like he's he's a solid wide receiver in the NFL who has a lot of speed, but like he's not anything special. This was just a a, a drastic overpay for a good NFL receiver with speed. Yeah, I, uh, I, it didn't. It, it was such a, it was such a dramatic evidence of why one organization wins consistently and one doesn't. You know, the Ravens trade Hollywood Brown and they take a center with that pick. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it was, it was such a. That's why this guy will never win. Looking at. Cliff Kingsbury, and that's why the Ravens are always a good football team. Almost always a good football team. I uh it was it was hilarious. It was it was hilarious. I I got a I got a big kick out of that. I got a really big kick out of that. Did you did you see that he was um he was already in Arizona for their draft party when it started too, which is pretty Hollywood funny. Brown. Yeah, Hollywood. Somebody yeah. said something in the chat. I don't know. Again, I don't follow the NFL as, as close as you do that that he had asked for a receiver. He had asked for a trade. He had asked to be traded out. Hollywood did. I, I hadn't heard that. I I, I hadn't heard anything about that either. It might be true, but I I hadn't seen it either. Yeah. So uh overall thoughts on the draft, Ryan. Anything else that you you'd like to kind of share before we get out of here but before hey don't leave everybody we're going to start our mailbag here in about 30 minutes we're going live at 12 30 we'll have vince joining us at 12 30 and we're going to talk notre dame football but uh as we wrap up the draft i didn't even talk about zion johnson going to the chargers i thought that was a good pick for the chargers I, unfortunately and there was the one of the best comments was i was so happy that my raiders didn't have a chance to make a questionable first round pick last night <laughs> Well, you you don't have the same management anymore, though, so maybe they wouldn't make right. a terrible pick. Alex right. Leatherwood and Alex Leatherwood's not in the in the draft, so there you're you safe. Go. There you I go. mean, for me, it's it was interesting to see all the movement late in the first rounds, and there was a lot of it. I'm interested. I was trying to do some research to see what NFL draft had the most trades ever because I think today is going to be bananas, mm-hmm. man. Like people, if you thought yesterday was crazy with some of the trades at the end. Today, I think, is going to be absurd. There's going to be so much movement today. So 
Buckle up, man. It's not over. It's a really deep class. Again, 2,100 players eligible for this draft compared to the 650 last year. So there's a lot of names. It's going to be a lot of movement. It is going to be wild. Hey, I, I meant to say this. I, I think Trenton Balky's terrible, but I did like, and I don't know if they should have traded up to make this happen, but I did. I do like Devin Lloyd a lot. That, it was I a great pick. A it was a great yeah. pick. They, they lost yeah. Miles Jack this offseason. It was yeah. a great pick. Absolutely. If not for the injury concerns, I think Devin Lloyd's a top 15 pick. He was a guy that I, before the Broncos traded Russell Wilson, or for Russell Wilson, he was a guy that was kind of on my radar for that number nine pick. I would have said, hey, maybe trade down a little bit and take him, but like, He's a good football player. So I, I did like that pick. I, I don't know a thing about Cole Strain, so I really can't comment on that. I know Cincinnati, I think if Dax Hill can be the player, I think he's capable of being. We started to see it kind of come out this year when he finally got, you know, real coaching on defense. I thought that him and Jesse Bates in the same backfield, that's a lot of range on the back end of that defense for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I, li- I like seeing and I like Daxton Hill back, like yeah. you're kind of illustrating there. I, th- yeah. I think the last two picks was was both good safeties off the board there. All yeah. I'll say about Cole is I've interviewed Cole in the past. He's a really good dude, but that was a strange pick. But that's, that's what the yeah. Patriots do, man. They get these yeah. obscure – like who was the guy they drafted in the first round a few years ago? A guard, and I'm like – what I think he ended up being a pretty good player, if I remember correctly. Mike, Michael Wenyu, maybe? No, no, no he was a little him. later in the draft. No, it wasn't him. I have to remember. But anyway, mm. but I, it was a fun night. Over end of the day, it was a fun night. I really enjoyed it, and um, yeah, I, I thought it was a. Uh, it was as wild as I had because you and I talked about this before, Ryan. It's like man, I feel like this draft's going to be insane, and it was a lot of crazy picks, a lot of trades. A lot of movement, a lot of head scratchers, a lot of, wow, that was a great pick. There were some teams that really helped themselves. I, for me, the biggest winners last night, Ryan, the Jets, obviously, to me, were big winners. The Giants, in my opinion, were were big winners. Uh, you know, I like what – I thought the Ravens had a great night. I, and it's not just because, yes. you know, we're Notre Dame people, but, you know, getting us uh, the best center in the draft, which was a need, getting one of the five to seven – I mean, you could say maybe he's not five. I think he is, but five to seven best players in the draft, 14, and not having to move. I thought they did really well. I thought the Chiefs – I hate to say it Chiefs. as a Broncos fan. I thought the Chiefs yeah. – they needed to – their defense has to get better. They can't keep winning shootouts like that. They need to, they need to be – hey, go get – go sack Josh Allen. We can't have him going crazy on us like that again. You know, so I, you know, there's there's some teams that did well. I thought the Eagles, in my opinion, and you may not agree with this, I thought the Eagles wasted an opportunity to get better last night, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel I feel like the AJ Brown pick made up for it a little bit, just because I know they're paying them a lot of money, but like they seriously need to upgrade that wide receiver yeah. room. So the him now with Devonta Smith, I think, is a nice step in the step forward. But like I was talking to my wife this morning, who is an Eagles fan, it's just like. D- Jordan Davis is a really good player, but it's like he's also a guy that probably just isn't going to play a lot of snaps. He's not. Man. You, like you traded up to thirteen and gave up picks to get a guy that won't be on the field for half the game, half of your half of the game. Right. I right. mean, it, he might. He it, might. It, he might play like 30, 40 snaps, and game. who yeah. doesn't rush yeah. the quarterback? Right. I mean, yeah. it just. It just. Yeah. It just. It made no sense. I thought. I thought the Texans are another one that missed an opportunity to get better. You had two top fifteen picks. And you got Derek Stingley Jr., talented but injury history, and you got Kenyon Green. I, it was another team that I thought just – I thought they missed a chance to really upgrade their football team. But at least they got some picks out of it, right? They did trade back down from 13 and got some extra picks, which the Texans – I would have traded again. I mean, honestly, at 15, I would have traded down again. There's enough guys on the board five spots down. I would have traded down again because they need yeah. a lot of help. <laughs> that is a team. If they would have completely traded out of the first round, 
and and gotten like six extra picks, I'd have said, "Good job, Texans," because you could have got a guy like you could have got a guy similar to Kenyon Green in the second round, in my opinion. Talented player, but yeah, I didn't love that. So, any other any other final takeaways or any 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 bold predictions for tonight before we get out of here and get ready for our next show? Uh, bold predictions. I mean, with all the quarterbacks on the board besides for Kenny Pickett, it should be a very very quarterback heavy second round, man. I mean. Yeah. We talked about some teams kind of sitting on it. This is how I feel good about this that situation, though. I think there's a lot of day two quarterbacks in this class, a lot of guys that can develop. So now if you're getting Malik Willis on day two, if you're getting a Carson Strong on day two, if you're getting a Matt Corral even on day two, Sam Howell on day two, I feel good about that situation. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good about any of those guys so much in the yeah. first round conversation. But day two, I think, is a good spot for some of these quarterbacks to come off the board. And here's so here's what's going to be interesting, Ryan, is, if, is there a run early in round two? Because if there is, it's probably going to have to involve some trades. Unless, I mean, Tampa Bay sits there at 33. And you have to wonder, like, are they going to think about maybe taking their quarterback in the future? Or did they do that last? Who they, they, took, they took a quarterback last year, right? Uh, you got the Vikings at 34. Uh, you know, Titans at 30, at 35. You I think know, it, Tannehill it, a year left on his contract, right? Atlanta, Atlanta's in the early 40s, too, as yeah, well. I think, Atlanta's right? at 43. Yeah, you yeah. got the Giants at 36, Texans at 37. I would have to think with Davis Mills playing as well as he did last year. They're not going to take a quarterback they're, that high. Yeah, I think they're I think they're going to take a day three quarterback and bulk yeah. on this class, yep. to be honest. Yeah. Jets at 38. They're not uh, – 39's the Bears. Then the Seahawks have two picks. We're going to find out just how sold the Seattle Seahawks are on Drew Locke with – those two picks. If one of the quarterbacks is sitting there, if Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter are sitting there and they pass, then I'm a believer that they actually are on the Drew Lock fan, you know, train, right? But if they take a quarterback there, they're not. So the point being, Ryan, it's if if there is that run, I think it's it's to your point, it's going to involve teams trading up to get those guys. And once the first one goes, then that's when it's going to start, in my opinion. That's when the run is going to start, like it did last year. And was it late second, early third, or was it in the third round? When you had like mm-hmm. three or four quarterbacks go in a row, I think we're going to see something like that. So it's going yep. to be interesting. So, everybody, thanks for joining us. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards, and make sure that in about 20 minutes, you come back to join our mailbag. That podcast has already been launched, it's already set. We're going to be ready to rock and roll here in about 20 minutes. Uh, Vince is going to join us, and we're going to talk all things Notre Dame football. So, as my man Mace AK always says, join the message board, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, give us a five-star review, and as always, go Irish. For Ryan, I'm Brian. Have a great rest of your day or your a great next 20 minutes, and we'll see you again for the Notre Dame football mailbag at 1230 Eastern. Talk to you soon.